Amen. Amen. Right, so Revelation chapter 6, we're going to focus particularly on verses 1 to 11 today, but um, I just want to have a look at the beginning and end of that part of the passage. So um, look at uh, Revelation 6 and verse 1, which reads, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And then jump forward to verse 9. And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. Now keep a finger there and turn over to Matthew chapter 24. We're going to be going between the two a bit today. So if you've got something to maybe stick into one of, one of those passages, the bulletin or something. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3 reads... And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, referring to Jesus here, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And you shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And the title of my sermon today is exactly that, The End Is Not Yet. Uh, let's go to the Lord and a quick word of prayer before we get going. Father, I thank you, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that you just make things clear to us through your word and um, that you want us to understand these things and to know these things, be able to have an eye open for these things. And um, please just bless everyone in here to have, to have that understanding today. Just uh, fill me with your spirit so I can explain things clearly and boldly and accurately. And uh, just, just bless this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're, we're in some interesting times aren't we right now pretty interesting times in the world um, I think when we went into COVID that was pretty interesting wasn't it suddenly out of nowhere we had this illness going around and people were were being sort of locked up in their houses and told they couldn't go out and and sort of what seemed to be borderline worldwide lockdowns going on which I don't think we've ever experienced have we um, and that, that was that was some pretty interesting changes and we were seeing freedoms being taken weren't we we were seeing, you know, people being told that they, they couldn't go to work, people being told that they couldn't, you know, do things without, you know, whether it's masks on their face and, and many other things, how many in a shop at a time, all this sort of stuff and more and more. And for many, many people, they found that pretty hard to take, didn't they? Pretty hard to deal with. And it was quite a shock to the system. We saw the world going more and more cashless, didn't we, in that time? I mean, there, there were whole businesses which basically just stopped using cash um, on the back of, of the sort of COVID scare or whatever you want to call it. Then we saw this vaccine come out, didn't we? The fastest ever rush through vaccine without any of the trials or anything else, you know, that any other vaccine. And if you want to call it vaccine, some people refer to, refuse to call it a vaccine um, for maybe good reasons. But whatever you want to call it, we saw this kind of medical intervention coming out that... Um, Look, unbelievable, wasn't it? Again, unprecedented to the point where we had lot nations around the world threatening and seemed to be implementing forced vaccination, yeah. forced vaccination to do certain jobs. I mean, again, unprecedented, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Unprecedented times. Now, you probably would have heard people during that time, if you, if you, you know, just read around a little bit, people trying to say, it's the mark of the beast. 
the vaccine is the mark of the beast. Is a vaccine the mark of the beast? No, of course it's not the mark of the beast because there are certain things that need to happen first, aren't there? But I'll tell you what, it was a bit of a weird precursor, wasn't it? And we could see all these strange things coming and strange things happening that, that did make a lot of people start thinking about the end times, didn't it? From there, what have we had as well? Health passports. And was it just a vaccine? Then you, you basically have to have either the vaccine or you have to have uh, a recent test or so-called immunity to go to certain venues. And although interestingly, a lot of that seems to be getting scrapped in this country right now, just out of nowhere at the same time that there seems to be a new new thing to keep everyone preoccupied. But um, pretty crazy, wasn't it? And then, and then you've got people talking about microchips. And, and again, it's not just the, the, the guys sitting there with their tin four hats on at home. That this is, this is, you know, there's been trials going on in certain nations of, of sort of microchips for identity. And what a good idea. It could show whether you're vaccinated or not. It could show your health status uh, and everything else. And again, people are looking at this thinking, Mark of the Beast? Well, not yet, no. But does it, does it looks interesting, doesn't it? And now what have we got now? Now we've got what could turn into a world war. Could. And again, I, I don't want to get, you know, get too ahead of myself as to what really is going on or what's going to happen because none of us really know. And look, we could say, well, yeah, but I've watched, I've watched Russia Today or whatever as well. Look, you don't know for sure. We don't really know, do we? We know what's coming out and we know there's a big difference between what's coming out in the Western media to what's coming out in the media out of Russia. And the truth is, I don't know, probably somewhere in the middle to one side or the other. I've got an idea of what I think it, it probably more likely is. But... None of that really matters in a way in terms of, well, what's going on in the world? In the world, whatever the truth is, it could be world war on the horizon, couldn't there? Okay, there could be world war. It doesn't mean there is. Now, this sermon is to show some and remind others of the order of events to come and what we should really be focusing on in this time. Because in case you're wondering, the end is not yet. The end is not yet. There's a few things that must must come to pass not might come to pass well it might just be another way around now there's a few things that must come to pass and in the word of god it puts these things clearly in order for us to show us what we're looking out for and what's going to happen first so have a look at matthew 24 where you are then look down at verse 3 where it says and he sat upon the mount of olives uh, sorry and as he sat upon the mount of olives the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world Oh, hear that preterist, and in case you're wondering, what's a preterist? Well, there are basically people out there that claim that all this has been fulfilled already. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen the end of the world yet. Um, and they try and say that this was fulfilled in Jerusalem, I think, 70 AD. But no, there, there's, there's some stuff coming which hasn't happened already. And there is some, uh, in the Bible, when you read it, for those of you that are unaware, there's a lot of what we call sometimes dual prophecy fulfillment. So things which are fulfilled once and then will fulfill again. And you can see by, by when it's talking about things that happen across the whole globe, that clearly there are many things that are still to be fulfilled. Verse 4, he said, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Because there are a lot of deceivers out there, aren't there? And we just mentioned these preterists, but... There are so many. There's so many different versions of the deceivers out there. More recently, the pre-tribulation rapture, which really only got popular in the last sort of couple of centuries. And uh, again, what, what a deception that is, isn't it? Now, what, what's the goal of that? Well, what's the goal of the pre-tribulation rapture deception is basically to just make a lot of lazy Christians that don't really do anything because they're just waiting to get raptured, I think. But also, maybe you could say that they're being geared up to accept the Antichrist as well as some sort of world leader at the least. And then obviously you've got the, the unsaved, just the apostate Christians that are 
I would say, just clearly going to get pulled into this one world system easily with all these lies out there, all this false, all this false stuff going around. But he said here, take heed that no man deceive you because it's not just a deception about the order of events and what's going to happen at the end of the world. And look, there is an end coming. OK, so in case if you're sitting here going, yeah, I don't know about all of this, look, the Bible makes it clear and the Bible has got absolutely everything else right. So I've got no reason to doubt this part of it either. Um, and if you're if you're saved here, then look, you believe the gospel. You can't, I hope you're not picky and choosing which bits you do believe. Well, I believe the whole word of God. I believe every word of God Amen. is pure. Amen. And the word of God says that the end of the world is coming. Okay, so, or the end of the world as we know it at least. So, Jesus answered him and said, take heed that no man deceive you. And, and you know, he then goes on in verse 5. He talks about these false Christs because there will be many false Christs. And there have been already. There have been the cult-type ones, the people that claim to be. I was thinking more recently about a guy that I listened to briefly before I got saved, a few things of his, a guy called David Icke. Now, David Icke claimed to be basically Jesus in some way or another at one point. Um, anyone heard of that? Anyone heard of that? Where David Icke, yeah, he's coming out with a lot of people here, actually. Uh, and this guy, look, you might look at that and go, well, yeah, that's when you're unsaved. Do you think there's no saved people that listen to him? I bet there are. I bet there are some saved people out there that still listen to someone like David Icke because he gives a, quite a bit of truth to wash down the poison, doesn't he? Yeah. But many others, and there are many, many versions of these. It says here in verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And I think, like I said, there's many saved people probably that have. And, of course, he said at the beginning, you know, to take heed, uh, sorry, to, in verse 4, to take heed that no man deceive you. So he hasn't just said that, oh, by the way, the unsaved are going to be getting deceived. He's talking about us. We can get deceived, can't we? Anyone here think they can't get deceived? No. Okay. Every single person here can get deceived. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you, that's it. You're just going to get everything spot on. Um, and there's a lot of deception out there. And of course, amongst those false Christs, there's the ultimate false Christ to come, the Antichrist. Now, keep a finger there and go back to Revelation. But before we go to chapter 6, I want you to look at chapter 1, which states the purpose of the book. So, Revelation in chapter 1, and verse 1, which reads, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, so this is the Apostle John here, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. So obviously John did that as well in the Gospel of John, the three epistles, but here in the book of Revelation we're talking about. So here if you're a servant of Christ, this book of Revelation is to show you things which must shortly come to pass. Yeah? Agreed? Okay, so the book's there for us, isn't it? Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. So you need to read it, you need to hear it, and you need to remember it. And that's pretty much most Christians in the world disqualified straight away, isn't it? Because you need to actually read the Bible. Okay? You need to read it. You need to hear the Bible preached. And again, that's most churches disqualified because they don't even have the Word of God. And you need to also remember it. Keep those things which are written therein. And sadly, that is most Christians disqualified. But fortunately, hopefully, that's not us here sitting in this room today. I remember being told how complicated the book of Revelation is when I was first saved. It's so complicated, you don't want to start reading that. Steer away from that, you won't understand it. 
Yeah, anyone heard that before? Anyone heard this sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't understand it. You know, that's, that's really, you need to really study eschatology to really get to the bottom of the book of Revelation. Only those that have studied eschatology for years basically have been taught by men who can right. really understand the book of Revelation. Is that the truth, though? That's not the truth, is it, at all? If someone had just said to me, split it in two, yeah, read chapters 1 to 11, then read chapters 12 to 22, yeah, and I'll tell you what, that would have sold a lot for me. That would have sold a lot, and it did put me off, because being told that, I, I, you know, I'm thinking, I'm not really going to get this, you know, I need, I need basically the, the version of the Catholic priest to tell me what the Word of God really says, yeah, but what a lie that is, though, isn't it? Someone had told me that, in fact... Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, all basically are going to line up with, with how Revelation depicts it as well. And it is so clear, it's so easy, it's just there written out for us to read and we're told to read it. We're told to read it. We're told to read it and to listen to it, not to avoid it, not to swerve it. Finally, someone had told me that, said, blessed is he that readeth. Not just, oh yeah, well, you might want to get around and read it. No, you're blessed if you do read it. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of his prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein for the times at hand. Now you might be going, well, what about the Christians for the last couple of thousand years since this was written? Well, I'll tell you what, they were still blessed reading it. Because, can you imagine how many deceivers would have been telling them the, the end is coming now? The end is coming now. It's about to happen. The end is coming, and all this other stuff. But blessed are they that read it, because they know what they're looking out for, don't they? And for, for every Christian for the last 2,000 years, until our generations... Yeah, it hasn't happened, but it could happen, couldn't it? Okay, and it could happen for us. Now, jump forward in verse 19, where Jesus tells John to write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. So John then writes in chapter 2 and 3 about the things which are, that it says here, in the seven churches, not church ages, so, again, how many people try and teach that there's seven church ages? And it's so, isn't it like so handy that we happen to be in the, apparently, the Laodicean church age, which happens to be the lukewarm church age, which kind of gives you basically carte blanche to do nothing as a Christian, yeah? Put your feet up, you're one of those lukewarm ones, yeah? You're in the Laodicean church age. What a load of nonsense yeah. that is, yeah? And I've heard that preached from pulpits as well in churches in this country, and I'm sure the rest of you have heard this as well. What a load of, where, where does that even come from? Those are things which are. Okay, the things which are. Jump forward to chapter 4. Now, Revelation chapter 4. And verse 1 says, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was, as it were, of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Must be hereafter. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, for all these things must come to pass, okay? doesn't matter how many protests you go to, okay? You're not going to change the order of events that are going to happen when it comes to it, okay? Our battle is spiritual. Put your effort into spiritual things, okay? First thing to say about this, these things must come to pass, okay? Look, look, our, we're not called to a political fight. We're not called to the picket lines. We're not called to any of that. Yeah, we're called to a spiritual battle, aren't we? And look, for me, I don't know about you, but it's hard to fit in everything you'd like to do for God in a week, isn't it? Let alone turning up and, and you know, protesting about wearing a mask or, or, you know, and the rest of it. Look, that ain't for us, okay? For us, we need to focus on the things of God. 
what are the things which must be hereafter? It said, I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Well, John gives this vivid description of the worship of God in, in heaven in chapters 4 and 5. And basically only Jesus Christ's ability to open the sealed book. And then in chapter 6, where we just started, uh, which Brother Charles read, we see these seals being opened. So look at Revelation chapter 6 and verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And the title of my sermon today is The End Is Not Yet, because these things must come to pass. Number one, there must be the Antichrist. There must be the Antichrist. In Matthew 24, 5, Jesus said, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. The Antichrist is going to claim to be Christ, but how do we know when the Antichrist goes forth? Well, the truth is we're not really going to know. Like, it doesn't say, well, everyone's going to see him going forth to conquer. And by the way, the Antichrist isn't, hasn't got horns, he doesn't look like a ghoul, he's not going to be the obvious Antichrist, he's a person. The Antichrist is a person, he's a devil, but he's a person. Yeah. <laughs> now turn over to Daniel 9. I don't think we're going to know at the beginning. I don't think we will know for sure at the beginning. You might have some, some ideas and some people might, might guess about certain people on the world stage. So this first thing won't necessarily be seen. Now the bow, what's this? He's got a bow. It makes you think of a distant enemy, doesn't it? Like a sniper in the shadows, making deals behind the scenes. Well, look at Daniel 9 and verse 27 says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Now the week here is referring to a seven-year period. He confirms the covenant with many for one week, and I don't think anyone debates that who studies this out. So we're talking about a seven-year period here. So it's not that during the three and a half years that, that during all of that, you know, nothing happens and suddenly at the three and a half year point he goes into overdrive, okay? At the beginning of that, at seven years, he confirms the covenant. So when he goes forth, for me, he's starting to already do things behind the scenes. Okay, it starts with him confirming some sort of deal. It says here for that one week, which is that seven year period, that's the starter's gun firing, okay? That's the archer in the background, I believe. Now, we don't know when that happens, but as Christians, we will know when he's eventually revealed, okay? We will know when that happens. But before that, we're looking for signs. But we also want to be careful, don't we? Stay in Daniel 9, the parallel passage to Matthew 24, Mark 13. Luke 21 says in verse 8, Luke 21, 8 says, And he said, Take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And the time draweth near... Go ye not therefore after them. Because look, I don't know how he's going to come to, to popularity and, and to leading the world, but if some world leader now started tearing down all of the lying media, the criminal bankers, the pharmaceutical sorcerers, the sodomite activists, say they were just all getting banged up, torn down, you know, they're all getting thrown in prison or, or even better, you know, maybe if they're all getting put to death probably be fitting wouldn't it 
Uh, many Christians would probably go after that person, wouldn't they? Many Christians would start following that person, would say, yeah, that's the world leader, that's the one we've needed, and maybe think, oh, it must not have been the end times. This guy's doing some good stuff, isn't he? And we've got to be careful, don't we? We've got to be careful not to go after them. No, of course, when it comes to the mark, yeah, no one's going to be taking the mark if you're saved, but that's further down the line. What are all these deceptions, these eschatological lies, like that, yeah? <laughs> Haven't even been to Bible college, yeah? <laughs> what, what are these all about? And by the way, in case you're wondering, why haven't you been to Bible college? Because it's a lot of nonsense, okay? Because I don't need to be taught by men the Word of God. At least by, by some manly institution where there's a lot of people getting taught lies about the Word of God. But anyway, okay, so what are all these about? Well, it's to weaken us, isn't it? to weaken us, to distract us. Think about pre-trib rapture, like we know, to, to just weaken you, to, to, for those that are saved, to just make you basically a bit, you just, you know, well, hopefully get raptured soon. You know, don't really have to keep an eye out, don't really have to look for any of these things, even though he clearly gives us a description of things we need to look for. But look, that could happen with a world leader as well. We need to be a bit careful. Now, Daniel 9, 27, it said, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abomination he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation, and that determination shall be poured upon the desolate. What's this sacrifice and oblation, which is basically a worship offering? Well, go back to Daniel 8, back to just Daniel chapter 8 and verse 13. So this is Daniel's vision where he talks of a daily sacrifice. It says, then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. So it appears, and if you're kind of getting a bit lost here, basically it appears that. There's going to be some sort of daily sacrifice beginning again in Jerusalem, okay? There's going to be some sort of daily sacrifice. We've just read in chapter 927 that in the middle of the seven-year period, this sacrifice will stop and the abomination of desolation will basically take its place there. And that's basically going to be an image of the beast of the Antichrist people have to worship. So... Here we've just read that this sacrifice and abomination of desolation will last a total combined of 2,300 days, which would have it started around 250 days after the Antichrist goes forth to conquer. Now again, if you're thinking, I oh, know what's all this, well, look, have you noticed how there's so many stories about the daily sacrifice is about to start and the temple's going to be you know, rebuilt and it, it comes out pretty regularly, doesn't it? Okay, just on repeat, on repeat, if you ever look at sort of christian sort of friendly or at least you know that try to get the interest of them websites that sort of thing you'll see this stuff coming up time and time again but i don't who knows how open this will be maybe it will maybe it'll be completely open site i don't know i'll tell you why i don't think it necessarily will be because the th you know when you read matthew 24 and it's not that another account makes it different you read mark 13 you read luke 21 he's not telling us to look out for that is he he doesn't tell us to look out for the daily sacrifice. That'd be pretty obvious, wouldn't it? Because maybe there'll be people trying to restart that. Maybe these things are happening. It'd be a bit of a maybe red herring regularly. So I don't know. I, I think it's not mentioned as, as, as the things which must come to pass. So it's not something that I think we're necessarily looking out for. I might be wrong. Maybe it'll be obvious. I'm not sure, okay? Which is why I'm not going to include it on my list here. But what if we do see it? 
what if we do see that? What if we know for sure? What about Christians that maybe are out in the, you know, closer to, to that area and are starting to see things happening there? What if our antichrist detector is going crazy bleeping? What if we see someone in, on the world scene and we're thinking, that is, look, that's ticking the boxes. I can see this guy. I can see what's going on behind the scenes. I know more because I've got some, you know, background website that no one else knows about that I go to and it's got all the info. They've got it spot on. You know, what if you know more than everyone else? Or what if you just, you know, you're putting two and two together. You're quite wise about these things. What do we do? What's the response? as a Christian. Do we sit there making videos, telling everyone that's the Antichrist? Quick, just, just you know, sit, sit at home, maybe, maybe turn, your, turn your living room into a studio and just 24 hours a day reporting, telling everyone who it is, convincing them. Run to the bunker maybe, yeah? Start eating those tin beans in the bunker and just buckle up and wait, wait for a few years till you come out. Well, for me, if you see that, if you start to think, look, I know I'm sure about this. The countdown's on, isn't it? Yeah. But what's the countdown on for? To go out soul winning. Amen. The countdown's on to go out and get people saved. Amen. Yeah. Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel unto every creature. Yeah. Okay. For me, that's what it's time to do. If you start to think, look, we're there. We're getting there. I, I can see things other people aren't really getting it. Maybe other people are getting it. That means go out and get, get preaching the gospel. Because there's only a short period of time yet and left, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So back to Revelation chapter 6 and verse 3. Revelation 6, 3 says, And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. The title of my sermon today is The End Is Not Yet. These things must come to pass. Number one, there must be the Antichrist. Okay, there must be the Antichrist. Number two, there must be war. There must be war. Now, this horse and this rider, maybe that's a leader. Maybe that's some sort of world leader. I don't know. But what I do know is that he's going to be taking peace from the earth. Okay, it says here, and power was given to him that, and, that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. Now, go over to Matthew 24 again. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 6, where it says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. And that could be where we're coming to now, couldn't it? It could be. We could be right now at that point where we're now starting to see war. This could, this could explode, couldn't it? This could turn into a world war. Nations could be rising against nation, kingdoms against kingdoms, it says here. Now, just because we could be coming to it now, it doesn't mean that we are, though, does it? Okay? We don't know for sure because we don't know when the Antichrist goes forth to conquer. If we are coming to it, that means he's already gone forth. Okay, now if we're coming to that, or sorry, if we are at that point, once we're at that point where there is war, because war can be, war could take a long time to really turn into a proper war, can't it? But once we think, right, we're there, it's world war, then the Antichrist's gone to conquer, which means there's not much time left. We could be there, couldn't we? But if you think back in history, I bet many people that lived through World War I, many Christians, thought that it was time. Nations were rising against nation, kings and kingdoms against kingdoms. I'm sure those who lived through World War II thought the same as well. In fact, I'm sure throughout history, 
throughout at least end time history, at least for the last couple of thousand years, people have been looking at, at, at these things and thinking, are we there? Are we there? Because war is not the only thing, isn't it? But I'll tell you what, a cashless society might have been hard to imagine back in, 19, in the 1940s, eh? But now, it's not hard to imagine, is it? And where, if, again, if you're sitting there going, what's he talking about a cashless society? Because the Bible teaches that at the end of this tribulation, oh, sorry, at, at this midpoint in these seven years, in the end of what we call the tribulation time, in this great tribulation, around that time, there's going to be basically this one world government system where you can't buy or sell without a mark in your hand or in your forehead. And I'm not really going to go into that in depth today. We'll do that for another sermon. But basically, there's going to be a one world system. If you can't buy without a mark in your hand or in your forehead, that to me says it's a cashless society. That mark, as you've probably heard, you know, this 666. Again, we don't know exactly what that is, how that's going to work. But with the modern technology now and chips and cashless societies, and it doesn't sound like we're too far off, does it? At least it sounds like we have the technology. It could still be hundreds of years down the line. Just because the technology's there doesn't mean that it's going to be there. But it's a sobering thought, isn't it? And now we're starting to see what could be a world war forming. And I believe it will be a world war. I don't think it's just going to be little skirmishes everywhere that, that create this. I'm not saying this is necessarily going to be a world war, but it could be, couldn't it? But verse 6 said, see that ye be not troubled. Now, you don't have to turn it, but in Luke 21, 9, it says, but when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass, but the end is not by and by, meaning immediate. So we're told not to be troubled, not to be terrified. And look, I'm sure that's easier said than done for many. And I'm sure that's harder for those of us that have families involved. And when it comes closer to our shores and for those where it is close to them, I'm sure that's easier said than done. But he does tell us to not be terrified. He tells us not to be troubled. So we need to try not to. Now, how do we do that? He does say these things must come to pass. So how do we respond? How do we respond? Well, we should use it to spur us on, shouldn't we? Yeah, shouldn't we use war to spur us on? We remember that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Yeah, and look, as, as bad as it is, as much as you look out at the world, you think, oh, I've got to tell people about this. I've got to show them. Look. Cool, you can open people's eyes, but what should you be putting your time into? The spiritual battle, shouldn't you? We use it to get people saved. Anyone remember when COVID first started? Anyone went soul winning around then? Anyone remember how receptive it was? Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow, was it receptive. Okay, at the beginning of COVID, it was just, I mean, we, we you know, I still, I still talk about it just because for me, it was still, it's still a shock just to have a table with some little Bibles, and literally at one point it was almost like we had queues. Do you remember Brother Dan at the back there, where we were down in Roehampton, I think it was, and there were literally at some point people waiting to hear the gospel. Amen. I mean, it was absolutely amazing because people were suddenly staring their mortality in the face, weren't they? And, and, and people start thinking, when you're, in, when you're close to war, that's the time to get people saved, isn't yeah, it? Good. Yeah, when you've got war on your shores, when you've got family who are there, that's the time to give them the gospel. Okay, more important than anything else. Because look, at the end of the day, if this is what, what it might be, look, a lot of people aren't going to be here soon anyway. And you want to make sure that it's where their souls go, which is important, yeah, isn't it? Good. Okay, the title of my sermon today... Oh, so, sorry, let's go to Revelation chapter 6. Now, by the way, if they're not wanting to get saved when facing war and death you could say they might never do yeah because that's a good time for people that maybe it might have been further down the line now that might speed up that want to really hear the truth yeah look at revelation chapter 6 and verse 5 
And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld a lower black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. The title of my sermon today is The End Is Not Yet. Right, these things must come to pass. Number one, there must be the Antichrist. Number two, there must be war. Number three, there must be famine. Okay, there must be famine. Now, here again, it, this could be another world leader. This could be, you could look at it, and I've heard this preached before, where, where maybe, you know, maybe these people going forth are part of the new world order, like we like to call them, part of this kind of world governance, and, and maybe this is someone that's now going to be controlling things during the famine, some sort of, someone, you know, some sort of finance guy or something else. You could look, you could look to... The, you know, uh, a kind of version of maybe Joseph back in Genesis and, and kind of making those plans to be able to feed people and how much to sell the food for when there's scarcity. Because with war, there's likely to be some form of famine, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. Now, it said for, uh, in, in Matthew 24, 7, it said, For nation shall rise against nation, king, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. You see how this is all lining up and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. And in Revelation 6, 5, he had a pair of balances, which are scales for weighing. What are the scales for? For measuring food, yeah? Now, he said here, a measure of wheat for a penny. What's a measure of wheat? It seems to be a day's worth for a person, okay? Maybe you could think like a loaf of bread's worth or something like that. Now, turn over to Matthew 20, because a penny sounds like a bargain, doesn't it? I'll take a loaf of bread for a penny nowadays, wouldn't you? Give me that, yeah, forget. Hey, bring on the war, bring on the famine, yeah? Get a good feeding, but no, because when the, when the King James Bible was written, a penny isn't like a penny now. And in fact, we get an idea of what a penny is in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1, for it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire labourers into his vineyard, and when he had agreed with the labourers for a penny a day he sent them into his vineyard so according to Matthew chapter 20 a penny is a laborer's day's wage and by the way a laborer there was doing 12 hours as well what's the equivalent now any ideas here what would you say that is a day's wage well minimum wage I think is around nine it's about to be nine pound fifty I think in this nation so a 12 hour day is the best part of 120 pounds there well that's quite a lot of money for a loaf of bread isn't it yeah, and you might go, oh, well, okay, well, maybe it's a day's wage is a bit less. We don't do 12 hours. Look, you're talking around 100 pounds, okay? 100 pounds for basically a loaf of bread. That doesn't sound too fun, does it? Okay, that sounds pretty worrying. So within this short period of time, remember, this is happening in a short period of time. There's war, then there's famine, where a day's wage will get you a day's food. And by the way, let's not talk about restaurant prices either, because some restaurants will cost you a day's wage. In fact, some restaurants will cost you a lot more than a day's wage. But no, that's talking about basically a measure of wheat. That's the raw ingredients. Okay, that's not good, is it? But there is still food there, isn't there? Okay, it didn't say there's no food. It didn't say basically everything's dried up and it's just everyone dying at this point everywhere. Go back to Revelation 6. 1 Timothy 6, 8 says... And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Because this is again a time to draw close and rely on God, isn't it? But what about families? What about families, though? What about those with plenty of children? 
how will we feed those relying on us? Well, you don't have to turn there, but Psalm 37, 25 says, I've been young and now I'm old, yet not, have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread? That's his children. Maybe that's who the cheaper barley is for. Said in three measures of barley for a penny, yeah? Maybe that's for the families. Palm the wife and kids off with the cheap barley. Well, you feast on the wheat. I don't know, but... Revelation 6, 6 said, And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Maybe that's because it will be so expensive. I believe that there will still be those that are able to enjoy the luxuries. That's maybe why it's mentioned there. There may still be those that are able to have those things. And I think maybe there, wine, I think, is referring to fruit juice there. I think that fruit juice will be appreciated as a luxury again. Yeah? If things start getting scarce and we start seeing famine, then maybe certain things will become the luxuries that they used to be. But, look, famine isn't going to be fun, is it? But you know what? I think it's surely a time when people are going to be receptive to the truth. Don't you think? Because riches are such a hindrance to salvation, aren't they? Aren't riches a hindrance to salvation? Mark 10, 10, 24, you don't have to turn there. Jesus said, And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? So as food prices rise, the poor are only going to increase, aren't they? So as food prices rise and as, as we go into famine, if that, again, if it happened in our lifetime, I'm not saying it will, but just say it did, the poor's going to increase. Now, what does that mean? The poor increases, that for me means more people are accepted to the gospel, doesn't it? Because so, suddenly people are not going to be able to trust their riches anymore. Suddenly when food's scarce, when food's harder... People are going to be more open, I think, to getting saved. Now look at Revelation 6 and verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and hell followed with him, and power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, and with hunger, and with death, and with the beasts of the earth. The title of my sermon today is The End Is Not Yet. These things must come to pass. Number one, there must be the antichrist number two there must be war number three there must be famine number four there must be death but not just a bit of death is it death in a quarter of the earth or is it a quarter of the earth killed i don't know depends which way you read that i think either way you're possibly splitting hairs why did hell follow with him because most people are going to hell aren't they most people are going to hell. Matthew 7.13 says, Enter in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. That's the truth, isn't it? That's the sad truth of the one. If you're newly saved, you're looking around thinking, there are Christians everywhere. You know, there's churches on every corner. No, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Every single one of those so-called churches, sadly, barring a very, very small few in this nation, believe you have to work your way to heaven. In fact, most people in this nation, most people in this world, believe in one way or another that they can work their way to heaven, that they're good enough to go to heaven, that they're somehow nice enough, that they haven't done that many bad things or whatever it is, but the Bible's clear there's only one way to heaven, isn't there? He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Amen. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And you have to get rid of your pride to believe on the Son, don't you? Yeah. You have to get rid of your pride. And I'll tell you what, this time's looking like a time when there might be more and more people able to get saved, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Now, I said here about death, death following. Now, maybe this is 
I don't know, specifically unsaved? Maybe not. Maybe there's a quarter of the earth without even a remnant. I don't know. But what I do know is that a lot of people are going to be dying from war, from starvation and various other ways. There's going to be a lot of people dying at this point in time. Matthew 24, 7 says, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. So what are pestilences, illnesses, sicknesses? That doesn't look too far off now, does it? I'll tell you what, uh, you do worry about all these people that have ended up getting these, uh, these experimental medical interventions and just lining up to get injected with something they've got no idea what's in it. That is a bit concerning, isn't it? Earthquakes in diverse places. I don't know how that's going to work, but what I do know is there's going to be a lot of death because the Bible says that. Okay, there's going to be a lot of death. Revelation 6, 8 said, and with the beasts of the earth. Talking about, it says, and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. That's animals. Now, maybe during starvation, maybe during hard times, you can imagine some places where there's probably slightly scarier animals than we've got here. Although saying that, a lot of people have some dodgy dogs around here, don't they? <laughs> they just hate somebody when you knock on the door. <laughs> but look, you can see that happening, couldn't you? I wonder how the animal worshippers will, will, will go to that. You know those that basically make an animal like a god, you know, that, that put it above everyone, put it above people, put it above people with a soul. That animal's even more important because they've been brainwashed into that. Well, I wonder how they're going to deal with that. How are they going to deal with that when suddenly animals are killing people? Oh, it's, it's your people's fault for being too starving near them. You know what people like to say. But what's our response as Christians? What's our response? Get them saved. Get them saved. Jude 22, 23, that Turner says, And if some have compassion, make your difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Look, if the world war and the famine doesn't do it, hopefully the mass death will. Hopefully the mass death will make those people that still weren't receptive, maybe they will start to be receptive at that point. Now, you might notice a bit of a theme here. Go to uh, Revelation 6 and verse 9. It says, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. The title of my sermon today is The End Is Not Yet. Remember that these things must come to pass. There must be the Antichrist. And that's obviously going forth to conquer. We're not going to necessarily know that. But there must be war. There must be famine. There must be death. There must be martyrs. There must be martyrs. They were slain for the word of God for their testimony. Okay, that's a martyr. Go back to Matthew 24. Look at verse 8. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now we're gearing up towards the great tribulation. But I do believe at this point that we're still gearing up. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Why? For the word of God and their testimony, yeah? You can imagine when the pressure starts being put on for these evil Christian types, you can imagine not only your unsaved family, I could imagine saved family sometimes turning on you. 
because look just because you're saved doesn't mean you want to live for God doesn't mean that you're going out and doing the things of God just we just don't have to say anything well, what, well it's your fault you bring it on yourself you know and the rest of it and, and by the way I'm not talking about immediate family here I'm talking about external family in case you're thinking which one is that, is that, is that Ella is it <laughs> and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many and of course one of those is the false prophet and because iniquity shall abound the love of many shall wax cold yeah it's going to be worse than it already is and in case again you're sitting going but aren't we living in such a loving world because we just want it to include everyone don't we look it's not love yeah it's not love out there these people hate they hate anyone that doesn't toe the liberal line that doesn't agree with what they say it's not loving there's so much hate in this world And, be, and they hate the truth. And because iniquity shall abound, love many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Now the work salvationists will grab a verse like this, won't they? Love a verse like this and try to teach work salvation. Um, and just ignore just the hundreds of clear salvation verses which are talking about salvation and go, well, look, look, you've got to endure to the end. Forget, you know, you know, for by grace you save through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works that's any magic both and countless others because it said here, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. But when it says saved in the Bible, it's not always talking about salvation, okay? And it's not talking about salvation here. It's not talking about going to heaven. Verse 22 shows what sort of saving it's referring to. In verse 22, where it says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So verse 13 is saying that if you endure, you make it to the end, you won't physically die. Because it's not going to be very pleasant physically dying at this time. Now, until this point, those of us who know our Bibles are going to be saying, maybe at this point, at this point, dodgy world leader, check. Yeah, tick that one off. War, check. Famine, check. Death, yep. About a quarter of the world, just people are dying wherever it is, however you know many people it is, check. Multiple Christians dying now. Getting persecuted, getting arrested, getting killed, check. So what are we meant to be doing at this point? What are we meant to be doing at this point? And I don't believe we're in the Great Tribulation yet at this point. What are we meant to be doing then? He doesn't know. <laughs> Preaching the gospel. Amen. Preaching the gospel. Amen. You will get that soon, boy. <laughs> Preaching the gospel. <laughs> so, until the great tribulation, till the abomination of desolation stands in the holy place, we're, told, we're not told to flee at this point. Okay, We're not fleeing yet. This isn't it yet. This is the final push before. This is the final chance to get people saved. Because that's what it's all about, isn't it? Verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Are you noticing a theme here? You notice, well, the theme that I'm trying to preach here, because do you know what I believe one of the main purposes of the tribulation is, or at least why it's allowed, why it happens like this? I think it's to give the unsaved a final chance. A final chance of the first resurrection at least for those that the few that probably maybe don't take the mark for the rest a final chance before reprobation it's a final chance before it's too late yeah because look even if you if, you, if they manage to get saved after if they don't take the mark look well there's there's no millennium for them okay this is like the final chance before things suddenly end because everyone else has had a chance of well they take their chance at life they might die tomorrow 
And by the way, you, you ain't saved. You die tomorrow, you're going straight to hell. Yeah. Okay, you're going yeah. straight to hell, and this will be the least of your worries. But it's giving people a final chance. Because if world war, if world famine, if mass death doesn't result in you wanting to get saved, nothing will, will it? Yeah, if you can go through all of that, if you're living here and you're unsaved and you go through all of that, then and it doesn't still, and you're still unreceptive to the gospel, it's, you're done, aren't you? Okay? Even at the end here, the clear persecution of the true religion, the clear persecution at the very end of Christians, just before it goes into just pure, just getting hunted down left, right and centre, just that persecution, that build up to the great tribulation. If that doesn't, all of that combined, still people are like, no, no, not interested. Well, maybe that's why we're not going to be that fussed when the wrath comes down, yeah? Maybe that's why we might be going too high. Maybe that's why they're in heaven going, how long until you start basically avenging our deaths? Because these people that, by then you're talking reprobates and people that are soon to be reprobates, aren't you? And sadly, that's going to be a large part of the earth. And is that, is that hard to imagine now at this point in time? No. But are they automatically going to get saved? Are they going to see this? Are they going to look around and go, right, okay, Jesus, where are you? No, they won't. No, they need someone to preach the gospel, don't they? And that's where we come in. That's why Matthew 24, 14 said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. That's why Mark 13, 10 says, And the gospel must first be published among all nations. That's what it's about, isn't it? Maybe he that shall endure isn't just surviving. It's keeping preaching the gospel. Maybe it's keeping preaching the gospel. And again, it's not got nothing to do with salvation. Because if you're just an armchair Christian, yeah, you know what an armchair Christian is, like, like an armchair sports fan, yeah, that just sits there commenting on everyone else, sits there watching their sermons, but does absolutely nothing themselves. Yeah. If you'd be put off soul winning by a rude answer at the door, if you can't even endure regular church, do you think you're going to make it through this? No, think you're going to make it through any of this? No. Do you think... Do you have any right? Like, why should you make it through any of this? You might as well go home early. But if it comes in our lifetimes, there's a chance to earn rewards like no other, isn't there? Amen. Isn't there a chance to earn eternal rewards like no other? And not just the rewards, there's a chance to literally pull people out of the fire at the last hour. Amen. As their toes are starting to touch it almost, it's a chance to pull them out. Before they either take the mark of the beast, before they either get killed in the wrath or whatever it is, there's that chance, isn't there? Yeah, yeah there's, yeah. there's some amazing stuff that can happen in that last time. Otherwise, you might as well just get raptured with the rest of the pre-trib crowd. Amen. Yeah? <laughs> just join up with a pre-trib crowd and you go, uh, but they're not really going early, are they? Because what are you doing here otherwise? Why, why are we here? Why are we, in, why are we here during that tribulation time? It's to get people saved. Amen. It's to get people saved. That's why we're here. It's for the word of God and for the testimony of Christ that we hold. That's what it said there, didn't it? Now, yes, around this time now. So after this time, with this gear up, then we get to the false prophet. We get the Antichrist. We get the abomination of desolation. We get the mark of the beast. And all that comes in a pretty short amount of time. I think that's really when he's really revealed, when, when it's like, right, okay, 
even even the pre-trib crowd now are catching on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, even at, they'll even be like, well, like, at least the saved ones, you know. Oh, actually, okay, maybe those guys were right, yeah? And then it will all just start coming into their like, okay, man, I should have been listening to those Revelation series. <laughs> man, I said IFB guys were right! But I hated them so much. I hate them! <laughs> but look, maybe they'll catch on. But isn't it so clear, isn't it? Is it so clear? Once your eyes are open to it, it's so clear, isn't it? But then it's the Great Tribulation, okay? And then it's 75 days. And then, look, then you are just trying to make it through. Then I don't think you're going to be out trying to preach. You're not going to be still trying to do your bits and bit. I think then it's time to flee because that's when we're told to flee. But then if you make it through, if you make it through all of that, have a look at verse 29 here in Matthew 24. It says immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. What a day that will be, eh? What a day that will be, my Jesus, I shall see. But before all of that, these things must come to pass. So before all of that, just remember what, what's got to come to pass. There must be the Antichrist, okay? And by the way, he will be revealed by then as well, okay? But he must go forth in the beginning to conquer. There, number two, there must be war. There must be war. It's unavoidable. It's unavoidable. As horrible as it is, it's unavoidable. There must be famine. Again, that's not going to be nice, but there must be famine. There must be death. And there must be martyrs. But you know what? You get killed for Christ's sake. Great is your reward in heaven. Yeah? And look, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm so, I just don't even care. Look, all of us are going to have issues when it comes to All of us are going to have those, those struggles. But just keep doing the things of God. Keep doing the things of God. Because the more you see it coming, the more you see this happening, the more work there is to do, isn't there? Because it's literally like a countdown timer going off and it's coming to the end. And we want to make sure that we do the utmost we can and get the, the most people saved that we can in that time. And look, if you're sitting here now going, oh, I don't even know where to start. Should I tell you where to start? Come out soul winning. Yeah? Come out soul winning. Learn how to give the gospel. Come out and be a silent partner. Get busy for God. Start doing things for God. Amen. Start working for God. Just say to yourself, look, if you're sitting here going, I think this is coming. I, you know, I've seen the signs. I, you know, I, I know it's coming. I've researched it. I've looked at it. Get busy for God then. Because you've got basically under three and a half years left. If it is. And if we're not, get busy for God anyway. Amen. Because if this isn't even the time, well, it might not even come in your lifetime, so you're not going to get a chance to earn those rewards in tribulation. You might as well earn them now. Get busy for God, yeah? And look, regardless of any of that, if you're saved, hey, if Jesus Christ comes back, you're going straight to heaven. Amen to that, yeah? On that, let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you... Um, I thank you for your, 
you know, how clear you make things, how you just, just show us that order of events, how it all just lines up and matches up perfectly, that you can just compare scripture with scripture and, and you know, and just show, show how, you know, how, how actually simple it is to see what's going what's gonna to come in at the end times. And, you know, Father, I, I pray that, look, if, if we are coming to that point in our lifetime, that you just help us all just get busier for you, to just, just want to serve you more, to, to want to do more for you, and ultimately to get more people saved. Um, and just pull more people out of the fire and but if and if it's not just the same thing just help us to still just want to be busy for you to want to to want to serve you to want to to just want to earn what we can those rewards to want to get more and more people saved in our lifetime and starting this afternoon help us to go out and go and preach the gospel preach it loud preach it boldly preach it clear and um, in Jesus name we pray all of this amen, amen.